You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1016 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Wednesday evening, now into Thursday morning as I record this. And today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app from the iOS App Store. Find one of our locked on rooms. Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. So, as you listen to this podcast, you undoubtedly know what transpired with the Hawks completing a monster comeback for the ages in Philadelphia. Pretty crazy. I could describe this for probably hours on this podcast. I'll try to pare it down. But I made the case coming in to the day on Twitter that this is the biggest game the Hawks had since 2015. And that was game two of the Eastern Conference Finals, May 22nd, against Cleveland. When the Hawks lost that game, it was clear that they were not going to win that series. And since then, I think this is probably the biggest game coming in. Uh, that was six years ago, six plus years ago now. Um, and then the first half, the air was out of the balloon for the Hawks. They, they did not play well early on. They missed a bunch of shots. They probably didn't play quite as poorly as they as the numbers indicated, but uh, never say die with this team recently anyway. And uh, they come all the way back. One of the biggest comebacks in recent, recent playoff history. Down 26 in the second half. Down 24 with 14 minutes to go. Two minutes left in the third quarter. Down, again, 24 points. And then down 10 with four and a half minutes to go. So, even after the big comeback, they were still having to sort of climb out of a hole late. We'll get into all of that momentarily, but unbelievable stuff from Lou Williams in the fourth quarter. Trey Young, the entire game was awesome. John Collins made a bunch of plays. Gallinari, a couple of big shots. And uh, honestly, a full-blown collapse, choke job. Whatever word you want to use for Philadelphia, they earned that one. They were terrible in the second half of this game, full stop. Atlanta still had to take care of business, and that's why I wanted to make sure that I led with the Hawks because the Hawks still had to take care of business and come back and do what they needed to do win this game. But nationally, the story is going to be Philadelphia's collapse, and I understand that. They were terrible, and uh, pretty alarmingly so for a number one seed in the second half. But again, the Hawks did all they needed to do. Uh, they made every play in the fourth quarter, outscored Philadelphia 40-19 to in the fourth uh, and yeah, there you go. There you have it. The Hawks now lead the series 3-2 as they come back to Atlanta for Game 6 on Friday. So we'll get into everything as we always do in the podcast, but that's sort of sitting the stage with some top-line thoughts here. And, um, you know, coming into the game, no injuries on either side that were new anyway. Still the same guys out for both teams. And B ended up playing, playing pretty well for most of the game until he sort of slowed down late for Philadelphia. Our friends, though, BetOnline.ag made the Sixers 7.5-point favorites by tip-off. So the Hawks were seven and a half on underdogs, and for, again, for a lot of this game, that looked to be uh, even probably too too small of a number. Of course, the Hawks came all the way back and erased it. That sort of set the stage in Philadelphia. You would expect the Sixers to be favored, but seven and a half was, a lot, was definitely a lot, and I'm sure uh, uh, people were sort of alarmed by that on some level. Before we get into everything else, today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 95 calories, with this carbs. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So we'll dive in now. To the sort of blow-by-blow blow of what transpired here. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. I'll go through the game, and then at the end of the at the end of the podcast, I'll break down some broader takeaways and some individual breakdowns, all that stuff. So, um, at the top, again, kind of a disaster for the Hawks at the outset. Um, to be fair, the offense was kind of fine in the early going, but the de- defensively, they had a lot of trouble out, out of the gate. So, Embiid moved much much better in this game than he was uh, for most of Game Four. He had 12 points in the first seven minutes. Philly as a team. 
opened 11 of 12 from the floor and had 26 points on 14 possessions at the outset, so kind of dominating offensively. The Hawks are down 12 in the blink of an eye. They were playing okay on offense, um, involving Collins early. Trey looked good, but Capella had a struggle um, for most of this game. He was better when he came back in in the second half, but uh, for a lot of the night, he was uh, really, really battling himself and not uh, obviously struggling against Embiid. Then went to Gallinari and went big early on, trying to look for a spark in the first quarter. They cut it down to, cut it down to seven briefly in the first quarter, but uh, then it was a ten, uh, sorry, a twelve to two run by Philadelphia to go up by seventeen. So the Hawks are down seventeen within like the first nine minutes of this game, and B made his first eight shots. He had seventeen points when he, went, when he went to the bench, and then got a technical foul for drawing at Capella. And Hawks fans, uh, I definitely understand this, but Hawks fans were uh, taking some joy after the game, not only with the comeback, but the fact that Philadelphia was very, very chesty during this game. Embiid uh, in particular, but you know the fan base, uh, the, t- the Twitter account, I guess, sent some stuff out during the game, uh, and the that all sort of went old takes exposed for the most part. But um, the Hawks did score late in the first go down by only 14, but Philly shot 16 to 20 from the floor in the first quarter. That is obviously just ridiculous. Um, the rest of the game, yes, the rest of the game, they had 19 field goals. So 16 field goals in the first quarter, 19 the rest of the game. They were 19 of 55 from the floor the rest of the game. So they obviously cooled off a lot. They were 5-7 from three in the first quarter. They were only 8 of 23 the rest of the way. Also pretty cool. Also pretty cold from out there. Defensively, the Hawks weren't good. It was probably overkill to have Philadelphia shoot the way they did in this, in, in this game. They had 18 points in the paint in the first quarter, and uh, that was more than they had the rest of the game. So obviously a little bit of an outlier stuff in the first quarter on both sides. Atlanta didn't shoot the ball well whatsoever. That's a line a lot. Trey had 10 points. But the Hawks weren't really producing the greatest looks. They had some decent looks that they just kind of missed in the first half. But they, weren't, they probably weren't playing as poorly as, they, as the score indicated, to be fair. They came out and uh, I would say benefited a lot in this game from Doc Rivers and his lineup decisions, in particular second half. But the first time, Philly went to their bench early in the second quarter, which is they're obviously going to do. But it was Tobias Harris who was really bad in this game, along with the bench, and that was kind of it. And they really, really struggled. Dwight Howard missed, a, missed an open dunk. He was terrible in this game. And I know I'm not the biggest Dwight guy, uh, but man, he was uh, the worst player on the floor, I think, tonight for anyone uh, overall, I would say, in terms of at least by a permanent basis. But the Hawks actually only, and I say only in quotes, won the non-Embiid minutes by three points in the first half. And that actually felt like it was a detriment because, yes, they won it, but they were already down by a lot and probably need to make a bigger impact. We'll come back to that later on. But Philly led by 21 after a little bit of a stretch there. And uh, this is what actually seemed damning for the Hawks. The Sixers were 4 of 13 from the floor in the second quarter to open the quarter, and they stretched their lead out while shooting that poorly because the Hawks were very, very much struggling offensively. Foul trouble from Adonovich had a pretty bad call, actually, on his third foul and a loose ball. Trey threw an awesome awesome pass um, that was uh, sort of preposterous, honestly, but, but actually was an, another miss from the Hawks. They went to the Hack of Simmons, which definitely became a story. So if you listen to this podcast the last week or two, I have been talking about the fact that I, I, I endorse the strategy. It's not always fun to watch, but Ben Simmons is at the point now where he is bad enough at the free throw line, and Philadelphia has carved with the Hawks enough offensively at times to where I was openly advocating for them to foul Ben Simmons. And that happened a lot in this game, and I think it worked out very well for Atlanta. Less so in the first half, but he, uh, not, not because Simmons wasn't making the, making his free throws, though, because the Hawks couldn't score. So, with about five minutes to go in the first half, they start they start fouling Simmons. He misses three of his first four. And B, though, gets their offensive rebound second time, which definitely negates some of that impact. And then Capella turned it over, took sort of a small swipe at Embiid, and then Embiid sold it and got a technical foul on, on Capella to go up by 23 points. 
then Herter had a clear path foul against Simmons. Fortunately, he missed both free throws on, on the clear path, but then they, they, they hacked again. It was Herter's third foul. I hated that decision to have Herter foul Simmons to have, for his third foul. Don't get me wrong. Fouling Simmons was the right decision, but you, you don't want to have your best wings in foul trouble, and they had both of them in foul trouble in the first half. Um, anyway, we'll fast forward a little bit. But him and Simmons could not make free throws, but still, even with the Hawks auto-fouling and getting the results defensively, Philadelphia scored at a much, much lower clip, and they sort of took the air out of the sails of Philadelphia in terms of the momentum and the tempo. But the Hawks in the first half, I want to stress in the first half, couldn't score on that stretch. They only had one point in four minutes, and as a result, they lost some ground. So the Hawks are down 26. They had a late three from John Collins to cut down to 22 in the first half. And they scored 40 points on 49 possessions before halftime. That's terrible. In fact, offensively, you know, a lot of people were talking about the defense, and justifiably so. I thought that they were actually worse offensively in the first half than defensively, particularly when you factor in the second quarter. Um, and, you know, they were 5 of 20 from the floor. Sorry, 5 of 20 in the paint in the first half. 10 of 30 on twos in the first half. Um, and this is the uh, probably the craziest out of the, of the first half anyway. The Hawks had one assist in the first 22 minutes of this contest. Uh, they had three assists in the first half, which is a season low for any half. So if you do the math on that, that's 150 plus halves of basketball this season for the Hawks. This is the lowest assist total they had by two. Their, their previous low was five. They had three in the first half. Defensively, it wasn't very good, but Philadelphia did cool off a little bit in the second quarter. Still, though, they managed to score at a pretty high level, and the Hawks looked to be quite obviously in some trouble going into halftime. But as we know, Things flipped in the second half. We'll get into that and everything else momentarily on the podcast. But first, it were from our sponsors, and the first of which is Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite teams, athletes, leagues, and sports. Spotify Greenroom is the perfect place to start or join the conversation about any sports topic, team, or league, and you will find fans just like you on Greenroom for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, news reactions, the latest rumors, and much more. You can even find some of the hosts from the Lockdown Podcast Network discussing your favorite teams and storylines. The Green Room is a fantastic place to engage with sports conversations, either for diehards or even for more casual observers. Download the Spotify Green Room app for free right now, currently available on all iOS devices. From there, you'll want to be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA, NFL, MLB, or NHL groups for the latest league updates. You can find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues, and the Lifetime Podcast Network is all over the place to give you the latest insight on Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app right now. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Okay, now the more fun half for the Hawks, obviously, in this game. It wasn't always, though. Early on, there were some ominous signs in the third quarter. So the Hawks had cut to 18 pretty quickly, um, but that also came with Bogdanovich and Herter both getting their fourth fouls in the first three minutes of the second half. So suddenly the Hawks' best two wings that are available, uh, along with the other Hunter who's not available, obviously, were in severe foul trouble early in the third quarter. That's a bad recipe. And then Philly won, won an 8-0 run. So it was 18 Back-to-back threes from Philadelphia, and then an empty trip for the Hawks, and then two free throws. So they were down 70-44 to at that point and fighting a big-time uphill battle, down 26 with eight and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. Um, Trey's first assist of the night, by the way, and this is not because he wasn't playing well. He was playing very well for the most part. Um, another nice skip pass from him to Collins for a three, and then Trey hit a three. That was sort of the uh, announcement, at least to me, in my notes, that this was like, at least the Hawks were threatening. So at 26, it feels a little bit wobbly, but they get those six points. Suddenly 20, feels more manageable. Timeout by Philadelphia. Kind of a scary moment 
in this in this stretch. Embiid dove and crashed into Collins' legs. Uh, no injury, no like you know big incident, but it could have been bad. Like that, that did not look good, and Embiid's a massive human being. I was just glad that Collins did not get hurt on that sequence. Um, but from there, Bogdanovich gets his fifth foul with four fifty-six left in the third quarter. And this is the guy who's been leading the Hawks in minutes for a while now, Bogdanovich. He's the guy that's always out there. Uh, he's not been great in the series by any means, but still a guy who, who they definitely lean on a lot for spacing and you know versatility, all that stuff. Nate challenged it. Kind of a bad challenge. They were never going to win that one, but obviously tried to keep him on the floor. And uh, he never returned <laughs> to the game because they were riding the young Williams backcourt in the fourth quarter. So they had to pull him there. They went to young Williams and Solomon Hill. A trio on the perimeter that I did not expect to see in this series, especially with Solo playing the three alongside Trey and Lou, but they kind of just had to because of the uh, foul trouble and they didn't want to go to Tony Snell, I guess. It worked out pretty well, though. They gave up a three right away. Actually, actually, they went zone with that group at, at first, but they trimmed the lead down to 18 at the end of the third with an 8-2 to two run. And that is something that I think is underplayed in the comeback story, is if you go into the, go into the fourth quarter down 24 or down 25, or down 23, even something like that. It just feels worse, and you kind of have more incentive to kind of pedal off a little bit. But they, they made the first portion of their run at the end of the third, cut it down to 18, and 18 just feels a little bit more manageable. Uh, I will say this, Doc Rivers, as I piled on a little bit earlier, I'll do it again now and one more time later on probably, but he pretty much gave two possessions away offensively at the end of, at the end of the third quarter. They pulled Simmons for hacking reasons, I think. But regardless, they had a full bench unit that just had no plan to score late in the third, and that allowed the Hawks uh, at least a couple possessions off that they got stops and set up a little bit of a, an onslaught for Atlanta, for Atlanta. Still, though, the fourth quarter was coming, and the Hawks did what they had to do. So when you're down 18, you have to make the first punch and get it down to like that 10-12 range pretty quickly. And the Hawks did exactly that. They scored the first seven points of the quarter. Okongo with a putback, Lou with a jumper, Lou with another jumper, and then it was a fifth. So that now it's a fifteen to two overall run, from down, you know, from down twenty four. Like I said, down twenty four with fourteen minutes to go, down down eleven, in pretty short order. And that came against Philly's bench again. And again, Dwight Howard was truly, remarkably awful. He was not alone, but he was the worst player on the floor for Philadelphia, in this game. And the big thing for me, another big thing I should say, is that that push came without Trey and without Collins, who were both good in this game, but that came without them on the bench. Uh, Philly did wake up a little bit more when they brought their stars back in, stabilizing things a little bit more, but then it was Lou's, it was Lou's time to keep cooking. He was already good early in the fourth, but um, he had 13 points in the first six minutes of the fourth quarter and then hit a pretty deep three to get, to get, it, get it down to, a, uh, to an 11-point game six minutes to go. And, you know, there were lots of things to credit in this game. Uh, Nate acknowledged this after the game as well. Uh, the Hawks don't win this game without Lou Williams. Now, there's obviously a little bit of noise in his plus 31 in 23 minutes in this game, but this is why you get Lou Williams. And there, he's not always going to do this. I've said that for months now, but there are nights when Lou Williams is going to carry you for a quarter or carry you for a half. And he did that for six minutes in the fourth quarter, and it came at a huge time, and that pushed the Hawks into a manageable range. So Lou big sort of you know game ball level stuff from him anyway then it sort of had that feeling of the hawks night potentially because collins banks in a three from the top of the key to cut it down to eight with five and a half minutes to go the only thing that went against the hawks basically in the entire fourth quarter was the next little stretch because lou has a three in the air that i, that I actually thought he made off the hand he missed it that would, that would cut the lead down to five and then they foul uh, seth curry on the long rebound he makes both and the hawks are down down 10 again so 
I circled that in my notes because it was like, oh man, that might be the end of the uh, you know the onslaught kind of push. That often happens in the NBA. But to the Hawks' credit, that didn't stop them in any way, shape, or form. Um, they did hack Simmons, who made both, and the one time that he made both the entire time to put the lead back to 10, but that was the last time that Philadelphia scored for a long, long time. They did f- stop fouling then on the next possession, um, but they gave up a, a pretty open three that Embiid missed. Then the Hawks didn't score. They fouled Simmons again. He missed both. Doc did a, I, I think, a pretty big favor by having him in the game. I'll do this now. I thought Doc Rivers, in particular, the most egregious thing that I, that I thought for him was that he didn't put Simmons on the floor early in the fourth quarter when they when their bench was really, really struggling and because Philadelphia was not, in the, was not in the bonus. It was pretty clear that as soon as the Hawks were in the bonus again and they could foul Simmons to send him straight to the line, they were at least going to consider doing that. And I think if I knew that here, I think Doc would probably know that. So for me, it would have been very obvious for Philadelphia to get to, to get Simmons back in the game, particularly with Dwight struggling, maybe even Simmons at center early in the fourth quarter. But they waited to bring him in until they were basically in the bonus. That kind of allowed the Hawks to hack him, and that was a very, very effective strategy. Not only because it was good on a per-possession basis for the Hawks, getting stops, quote-unquote, by Simmons missing free throws, but also it took the entire rhythm out of the Sixers in the second half, I thought. So anyway, he missed both. That was another big one. They ended up taking him out shortly after that. But then Collins finds Capella for a dunk, and it's a six-point game with 3.20 to go. Then it's a timeout for the Sixers, and everyone in the world, Twitter, in the building, I'm sure both teams had that feeling now, like, all right, this is really, really, really a game. Not that it already wasn't, but once it's six, and the crowd's a little bit uneasy, and three and a half minutes to go, it's like, all right, this is not anybody's game. The Hawks were 13 of 18 from the floor in that in the fourth, in the fourth quarter at that point. Um, Lou was 6 of 8. It was a 12 to 4 run to get back within 6. So they came out of that timeout without Simmons, and they turned it over right away. That was a bad turnover that they couldn't afford. Trey hits a jump shot. It's a four, it's a four point game. Sixers again with nothing on offense ran the shot clock buzzer down, uh, and B missed a forced fadeaway that he had to take at the end of the shot clock. Trey then gets to the lane unencumbered for a floater, and it's a two point game. Philly, the Philly then sells for another bad shot, and again good. Good defense for the Hawks. Like they were very, very good defensively in the second half. Credit to Atlanta for playing good defense. But Philadelphia kind of ran the Bucks offense from um, from Tuesday's game, in which they just kind of punted in the, in the second half. That happened to the Sixers in this game. Um, and Harris, misses, Tobias Harris was terrible. Uh, anyway, he missed it. He missed a jump shot. Uh, Trey Young then gets Tybalt up in the air on, on on a one of his trademark pump fakes, leans in. Gets fouled on a three-shot foul. He makes all three, and the Hawks now lead by one with 126 to go. So the, the comeback is now complete, but they have to go out and still win because they're only up by one point. After another timeout by Philadelphia, another awful possession by the Sixers. But it was a incredible help side block. So after that, Philadelphia kind of messed up, uh, but they did, they did sort of you know get Harris the ball in scoring position near the rim. And Collins flew over in his trademark way and exploded exploded through the rim, blocked that shot, saved a bucket, and then after a review, it was called off Philadelphia. I'm not sure the Hawks didn't get away with them get away with one there, honestly. But the review was kind of weird, and because it was called Atlanta Ball originally, the call ended up standing. It wasn't confirmed. That, you know, it was a call stand situation. So the Hawks get that break. That block ends up being huge, and now the Hawks have the ball up one with 113 to go. Gallinari, at the end of the shot clock, gets an ISO and hits his uh, one of those little turnarounds where he has size advantage. That was a big, big shot, quite obviously, because you go from up one to up three. 
Huge shot there. That was a 13-0 run for the Hawks, capping there by Gallinari um, to go to go from down 10 to up 3. Then Curry gets forced into a pretty tough 3, almost makes it, but misses it. Um, Trey actually had a dagger chance with about 22, 22 seconds to go, ends up missing it. So the door's a little bit open for Philadelphia to at least tie the game. Timeout. They bring in Solomon Hill and Kevin Herter for Lou and Trey defensively. That was the right decision, up three in particular. You don't want to let those guys um, be picked on, but I'll stop here for a second. It's worth noting, Philadelphia could not score in the fourth quarter with Trey and Lou on the floor. You know, I've not been a proponent of that lineup um, because of the defensive ramifications, but um, to their credit and to everyone's credit involved, like, you know, if you're going to, especially if you're going to hack Simmons, I talked about this during the game, even on Twitter, if you're going to hack Simmons, you kind of want to go all offense. So I was even advocating at one point on Twitter during, during this game to actually play Trey and Lou together because they were hacking. But in the fourth quarter, they got stops with Trey and Lou on the floor, which is crazy. And Philadelphia didn't really take advantage of it. But that's worth noting that they were getting those stops with that lineup on the court. At any rate, they come out, they, uh, and B gets to the line. They kind of went slowly down three. You know, the Hawks are, I would say, more than happy to yield a pretty slow two point attempt up three there. But Embiid gets to the line and then, you know, kind of just bizarrely misses both. And Embiid um, was 11 of 13 from the, floor, from, from the free throw line in this game. And he was 11 of 11 and missed those last two. Um, once you miss the first one, like you could argue maybe one of the second one. Regardless, though, Embiid missing both there was kind of an upset. And that was kind of the end of the game. You know, the Hawks get the rebound. Um, a pretty terrible inbounds pass, quite honestly, that Philadelphia could have stolen. But Tybal kind of slipped and Trey grabs the ball, gets fouled, puts it away at the line. And that's it. Um... The stats are kind of thrown off a little bit because Philadelphia scored the with like point one to go to cut it down from from five down to three, but before that, some stats for you before we get to the break. Philadelphia did not score a point until again until the buzzer beater for the last four twenty three of the game. No points, not even a field goal. No points in four plus minutes at the end of the game. Their last field goal before again the buzzer beater was at the six twenty five mark of the fourth quarter. So the Sixers didn't have a single field goal in the back half of the fourth quarter, and the Hawks, you know, just did enough. I mean, they weren't even, like, incredible offensively. You know, Trey was individually fantastic in that last six minutes, but it was just because Philadelphia could not score. And that was uh, the anatomy of the collapse slash comeback, and there you have it. So we'll get into some takeaways, some more stats, some, uh, you know, insight from what transpired in this completely insane game. But first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is wonderful, as I always say on the podcast, but what is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? And when you talk about Built Bar, it's always a passionate thing for people that really enjoy their own flavors. And if you don't know the flavors, you're really missing out. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and many more. There's something for everyone, and my favorite flavor right now, anyway. I have many favorites, to be honest with you, but right now, I'm really loving the peanut butter brownie. That's just one that I'm really enjoying. I like to dive into that as much as possible. I always uh, talk about how much I enjoy Built Bar, and that is the one that I am diving into at this moment in time. If you haven't tried the flavors, though, get a mixed box right now where you get two of each of the nine available flavors at this moment in time. And not only are the Built Bar flavors fantastic, they're also very healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs, and a couple others have even more protein if you enjoy that kind of thing. Order today, get that raspberry, mint brownie, or whatever you would like, and if you do it in the near future, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your first order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. 
Bet Online is the easiest and the fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is definitely here and in full swing. You can track all the action at betonline.ag. Plus, in addition to baseball, the NBA playoffs are here as you're listening to all the time on this podcast. And uh, beyond that, all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Of course, you have MLB and NBA, and you have NHL, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, all that you can think of. It's all there at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch or dribble, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop and mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information that you can find all in one place. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game and get in on the action. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline.ag. That's a 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code, one more time, is Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with the site on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll get out of here now on some takeaways and some individual breakdown stuff. I'll start with the fourth quarter. So, I mentioned before, it was 40-19 to 19 in favor of Atlanta. That tells a story, broadly speaking, about how dominant the Hawks were in in comparison to the Sixers. And Phillies were 19 points in the fourth quarter, again, against a lineup that included Gallinari, Lou, and Trey for a lot of the fourth quarter is, like, inexplicable. Uh, Just for the record, the Hawks basically played the fourth quarter without wings, which is wild, because Bogdanovich never played in the fourth. He had five fouls, never returned, didn't play the entire fourth quarter. Herter came in a couple times, um, but really it was a perimeter trio of, of Young, Lou, and Gallinari. So just a bizarre setup all the way around. Credit to McMillan for going to that, by the way. But st- stat-wise, the Hawks were 16-22 from the floor, which is obviously great. 5-5 from the free throw line in the fourth quarter with one turnover. So they had 40 points. Again, they missed six shots total from the floor, made all five free throws, one turnover, 40 points. Trey and Lou both had 13 points each, with 26 points total. They outscored Philadelphia as a team and did it pretty comfortably by seven points, just the two of them. Uh, Philly, on the other hand, was 5 of 17 from the floor, 0 of 4 from 3, and they missed five free throws because of Simmons. So, and Embiid's last two. So, you know, 40-19 speaks for itself, but those numbers are just wild. No player on the Sixers um, hit a field goal in the entire second half other than Embiid and Seth Curry. That includes Tobias Harris, who's a good player. That includes Ben Simmons, who's a good player. Uh, just insane. I mean, that doesn't, that's, you just don't see that, particularly on a good team. Um, the Hawks, you know, did a lot of things well. Second half, obviously, sw- swung towards Atlanta overall, go, to, go into all those stats, but uh, the fourth quarter numbers kind of tell, tell you the story about what transpired down the stretch of this game because, you know, the Hawks are raised a 24-point deficit. Um, you know, most of that damage was done in the fourth quarter. They were down 18 Going to the fourth, they won by 21, and uh, it, was 20, it was 23 until the literal final half second of the fourth quarter. Um, big picture numbers for the entire game. Um, it was actually as crazy as this is because of the first half, I'm mean, sorry, the first quarter was uh, a barrage by Philadelphia. Philly ended up scoring below their season average on a per-possession basis in this game, about 1.09 points per possession, which is not terrible, but given where they were in the first quarter, that is very, very bad. And for the rest of the game, Philadelphia scored 24 points in the second quarter, 25 in the third, and 19 in the fourth. That is a woeful um, offense. Just, It's obviously a little bit more nuanced than that. It was kind of slow pace at times in this game, but they just could not function, and the Hawks should be credited with their defense. So Philly had 16-60 turnovers in this game. That's five more than the Hawks had. 
They had 12 points in the paint in the last three quarters. So Philly had 18 points in the paint in the opening period, only 12 in the last three quarters. That's crazy. Their shooting was totally fine in this game. 58% true shooting is, is uh, pretty solid. They missed 15 free throws and they hit 16 turnovers. And offensive rebounding was not really a huge part of what their of what their attack was. So, you know, Embiid and Curry were both great. You know, Embiid, 37 points. Uh, he definitely slowed down in the second half, but was still plus 11 in his minutes. Again, this is a pretty clear uh, estimation of how bad the bench was for Philadelphia, in particular Howard. Um, Philadelphia was plus 11 and Embiid's 39 minutes, and they lost by three. They were minus 14 in the eight-plus minutes without Embiid on the floor. Uh, and then Curry was awesome, hit seven threes, uh, you know, missed the last shot, I guess, the last real shot that, that, that they actually had um, in terms of there was one in the fourth quarter that was a big one that he did, couldn't get to go down, but he was really good in this game. Nobody else was. Tobias Harris, four points in 38 minutes. Uh, ben Simmons is obviously more disposed to having a quieter offensive game, but Simmons was four of 14 from the free throw line, so that worked out very well. Again, a strategy that not, not everyone enjoys doing. McMillan seems to not want to do it necessarily. Like I don't, I don't think he loves that, but you, you kind of just had to in this game, and it worked out beautifully for Atlanta. Anyway, I can go on all day about that, but the Hawks defensively um, did their job in a big way from the at least the last three quarters. Offensively, it was not exactly a smorgasbord for the Hawks overall. The fourth quarter was awesome, as we discussed a second ago. But, um, you know, shot the ball, okay. 11 turnovers is totally fine. That's below their season average per game. Offensive rebounding was not a huge part, but they actually did win the glass in this game briefly. And they made one fewer free throw than the Sixers did on 10 fewer attempts. That always helps. The Hawks didn't shoot it great from the floor in this game. But the free throw line was definitely a swing toward them. They finished this game with a season low in assists. As crazy as that is, the Hawks win their biggest win in, in my in my estimation, their biggest win as a franchise in six years. And they set a season low in assists. That's only one stat, but uh, that's pretty wild as a number. Um, and we'll get into the individual stuff now, but uh, a couple of just crazy things that I wanted to at least hit on briefly here. Um, so individually, the Hawks played 10 guys. In this game, it was nine after halftime, and uh, that, did not, that did not include Tony Snell. In fact, they went to Solomon Hill. But Tony Snell played three minutes, minus four. He had, he had a steal, pretty much a non-factor. Um, Akongwu, I want to shout out right now. Only eight minutes for Onyeka, but he thoroughly outplayed Dwight Howard. Like, thoroughly. And given that Dwight is Dwight, obviously a high-profile guy, more of a backup at this, at this point in his career, but Akongwu in a playoff setting on the road, Rookie, he was nails in this game. Six points, five rebounds, had a steal, had a block. Plus 12 is obviously not all him, but made, made both of the shots from the floor. 2-2 two, two from the free throw line, two offensive rebounds. Uh, he was very good, honestly. It swung, I think, at least part of his uh, play swung that, that stretch in favor of the Hawks. And uh, big credit to the rookie for coming up big and playing very well against Howard and that, and that bench unit for Atlanta. Um, and then Solomon Hill... DNP in the first half and played 13 minutes after halftime because they needed him. They, you know, foul trouble and all that stuff. He came in and just did Solomon Hill stuff. Wasn't great, um, like overall, like impact individually. Took two shots, was one of two, but was plus 13, playing defense, flying around, came on defense as, as a sub late, and, uh, you know, did his job. Always you kind of stay ready if you're a bench guy. That's part of the value of having a vet like that on the bench, and he did his job. And then you have Lou Williams and Gallinari off the bench. Both of which, both of whom I should say, were awesome. Uh, Gallo, 16 points, 8 rebounds in 30 minutes. 
Six or ten from the floor, three or four from three. A bunch of big, big, big jump shots in this game from Gallinari, including the one that put them up by three in the final 90 seconds. That was a big. That was one of the big, big shots of the game. But plus thirteen, you know, he's not. It's not. It's not always pretty. You know, sometimes you have to like laugh out loud at some of the attempts that that Gallo, that Gallo has. But he's so big and so skilled, and his jump shot is, uh, you know, obviously a work of art. So four fouls, but you know, plus thirteen and was awesome. Lou Williams, uh, you know, most of it was the, was that stretch in the uh, in the fourth quarter. But man, uh, Lou Williams was plus thirty one in this game, plus thirty one in twenty three minutes. Again, that's not all Lou. 15 points, 2 steals, 3 assists, 2 rebounds, um, 7-11 from the floor, 103 from 3, and again, 13 points in 6 minutes in the 4th quarter at the outset to really, really put the Hawks from, you know, a, a spot where it's basically like, alright, we're not dead, to like, this is really a basketball game. That stretch was, I would say, in large part attributable to Lou and that little explosion that he had early in the 4th. So, Huge part of the win, and that's why you have Lou Williams on the team. Um, starters. A mixed bag, to be sure. Three guys did not play particularly well. Two of them did. Uh, Kevin Herter had his worst game of the playoffs. Uh, Herter's been very, very, very good for most of the playoffs. Tonight, he was 0-7 from the floor. Didn't score. Minus 23. Two rebounds and assist. Did have a block. Um, and they brought him in defensively. He did his job defensively in this game. A couple of nice plays defensively, I actually thought, as a help guy. But offensively, he just didn't have it in this game, which is going to happen sometimes, but he was pretty shaky. Um, but they survived it. Uh, Bogdanovich, same thing. He was also poor. The two of them combined, this is Atlanta's two best wings available right now. They were 3 of 16 from the floor, 0 of 8 from 3, and they won the game on the road. Bogey wasn't as bad um, as Herter with the shooting, with 3 of 9 from the floor, though, um, but 0 of 4 on threes. Six points, three three rebounds, an assist, and a steal in 21 minutes. That's uh, a crazy low number for Bogdanovich. He's been, play, he's been playing like high 30s, to in, even into the 40s sometimes in the playoffs. Um, they just sat him. I mean, the foul trouble was the reason why he left originally, but they just rode that group and it ended up working out very well. Click Capella, a mixed bag. He was better after halftime. I want to I want to leave with the positive, as I sometimes do on the podcast. Six points, eight rebounds, two steals. Uh, minus eight, five fouls. He was better after halftime. In the first half, he was pretty dreadful, quite honestly. And I will go out of my way to tell you that Capella was awesome this year because he was. I thought he should have, um, you know, been number two, uh, sorry, second team all defense. Said as much this week on the podcast. Capella had a great year. He was terrible in the first half of this game, like to the point where you know you're kind of thinking a lot about like doing to go small, go Ganari, or what's going to happen. I had people calling for a Kongwu over him, that kind of stuff. He and he earned it. He was terrible, and I, he made, he made a couple comments after the, after the last game that I guess fired and beat up, and there was just some jawing. And Capella did not play very well for most of this game, but he was better in the second half. Made some more um, sort of high intensity plays on the glass. Finished a little bit better after that as well. After missing his first three shots, so not a great night for Capella. But he did, he did salvage it a little bit, and obviously they won the game, which also helps in a big way. Uh, Collins, very, very good. 19 points, 11 rebounds to lead the team, by the way. Uh, two blocks, had an assist, 7-12 from the floor, 3 of 4 on threes, and that's a big stat, including the one that, again, I, you, you kind of have to laugh. If you, To have a comeback like the way the Hawks did, you need one or two plays to kind of like weirdly go your way, and one of those was that top-of-the-key three by Collins that he banked in. That was a big shot. Um but still, he, he was very good in this game. Defensively flying around, had the huge block late on Harris. Um, two in the game, and uh, minus three was the best of any starter. I thought he played very well, and uh, they needed him pretty much. And obviously, there was lots of uh, little uh, sort of murmurs around Collins. Uh, I would say during the first half of game four, ever since, he's been awesome. 
Uh, and then Trey Young, you got to end there. Trey was once again spectacular. 39 points, seven assists, three steals, um, you know, four fouls, but you know, whatever, whatever. 10 of 23 from the floor, two of six from three point range, and 17 of 19 from the free throw line. So just Trey being resourceful. Couple, you know, I, I can't think of anything where he it was really like, you know, questionable foul calls. I think Trey just like did Trey stuff. He's very crafty and he got to the line a lot and he took over late in the game. I mean, that last little stretch to get to get over the hump was Trey doing Trey stuff. I went through it earlier, but he had a floater and a mid-ranger and a three, and he just kind of made every play that you needed to make in this game. And his assist numbers would have been higher if anybody could have made, could have made a shot in the first half. But, uh, man, he was really good. Even playing hard on defense, had three steals again. Like, Trey Young, superstar. What else can you say? He was fantastic. Big reason why the Hawks won this game, quite obviously, and a uh, heck of a run from him overall in 40 minutes. So, I'm long-winded. I could have done a podcast that was probably twice as long. I had so many notes that I even left on the cutting room floor. My, my notes document was uh, unbelievably long for a regulation game. I often go longer than that on overtime stuff, but man, it was uh, a wild ride. But I'll say this before I get out of here. The Hawks now lead the series 3-2. Uh, is it over in the Hawks' favor? No, it is not. Um, but they are now favored in the series. For the first time, definitively, they are favored in the series. After game one, um, the market had sort of a, a coin flip element to it. On bet online, um, and that was probably justifiable given the Hawks were winning the series 1 0 at that point. Now, though, 3 2 is different than 1 0. Uh, yes, game seven looms in Philadelphia, and the Hawks, if that game happens, will be an underdog in that game unless Embiid is injured. But the Hawks might be favored in game six at home. Uh, they weren't favored in in, uh, in in Vegas and on bet online in the last game at home. They were actually underdogs, but you know, given everything that transpired here, and Philadelphia might be seeing ghosts and uh, you you got to feel, feel pretty good about that at home on Friday for the Hawks. But regardless, Atlanta's now in a position to potentially, I want to emphasize potentially, win the series on Friday. And if they can do that, they will go to the Eastern Conference Finals for the second time in Atlanta Hawks history. Obviously, they won the title in St. Louis, but only, only the 2015 team has made the Conference Finals. And uh, yeah, just a, a wild transformation, a wild run that, that, that this team is on. Um, nothing is assured by any means. But uh, obviously a big one on Friday. I talked about this game being the biggest one since 2015. Uh, Friday now becomes the biggest game since 2015. Because um, if they don't close it out, then, you know, Game 7s are weird and it'll be at Philadelphia. So um, this goes without saying, but the big, the biggest opportunity for the Hawks to close the series out happens on Friday in, at home in Atlanta. Wearing the MLK jerseys almost almost assuredly on the MLK court and uh, in front of what should be a raucous atmosphere at State Farm Arena. So plenty more to get to. On the podcast, I have a guest lined up for tomorrow. Hopefully, it's going to come through. I don't always want to advertise stuff until it happens, but fingers crossed. But I'll have a new show between now and Game 6 on Friday, and then I'll have my normal recap show after Game 6, regardless, you know, win or lose, all that stuff. But uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Hopefully, you appreciated this long, rambling pod. Uh, It was definitely a wild one in every way, shape, or form. But uh, Atlanta pulls off the comeback in very un-Atlanta sports fashion, and a lot of people seem to take a lot of joy in that, which is always fun to see. So... Yes, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast, and uh, that's the best way to find the show. And follow me on Twitter if you'd like to, at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter, at Lots on Hawks. I'll tell you when the next podcast is going to be dropping, and when it does, you will find it here. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time.